Hi, my name is Christy, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. My name is Nathan. Uh, In case you don't know who I am, I am the Sprouts and Roots Director here at Public Church, which is our children's ministries. Um, um, So Sprouts is for birth through pre-K and Roots is for um, kindergarten through fifth grade. And so I get to lead just an amazing team of volunteers who love our children well and invest into them. And next week is such a, a fun and exciting week. We have the egg hunt, but next Sunday we are calling in Sprouts and Roots Pajama Day. So we are encouraging all of our kids just to get out of bed and come in their pajamas. Parents, you do not have to get them ready like you will on Easter Sunday. We know that on Easter Sunday, you're going to make them look perfect for those perfect family photos. But this next Sunday, the 14th, you can just wear, have them wear their pajamas. And so we're encouraging all of our volunteers to do that as well. And if you're here today and you think, I want to wear my pajamas to church, then maybe Sprouts and Roots is a place for you to serve. So I am so excited to be with you today uh, in this series called A Love I Can't Shake. And Todd has just done an amazing job challenging us with this so far. And today he and Whitney have been out of town uh, speaking at an FCA conference. And so I'm honored to get to step in and be a part of this series. And I love that song that we just sang called Heart Like Heaven by Hillsong United. And the lyrics to the bridge really are so important for us, and they'll be on the screen. It says, own the sound forever, heart and heaven together, singing holy is your name. And if it lifts you higher, burn in me your desire, a passion worthy of your name. See, for some of you today, as you sang that, you started to experience something that you just can't quite explain. Especially if you're a Jesus follower, you saying that maybe there was a desire in you that you just can't put your finger on, but we want you to know it's the love of Jesus drawing you in. Because here's what we know as Jesus followers is that his love is a love that we can't shake. And when you experience this love, it changes you completely. And think about it. When you experience love between you and another person, it changes you. It changes the way you think, it changes the way you act, changes the way you speak, changes your schedule and routine. As Todd talked about last week, it changes your bank account even. And you talk about the things that are important to you. And uh, I was thinking about this this week in our office. Um, There was a lot of conversation about something new that people had experienced, and we have a new uh, coffee shop in town. And so some of you may have visited this coffee shop this week, and a lot of people were talking about it and said, hey, you need to go, and and meetings, and we're being moved, and stuff like that. And I went on Friday, and I I spoke with somebody in in our public church family, and she said, this is my fifth day in a row visiting this coffee shop. And I was like, hey, no judgment here. I think that's really awesome. And so when we find something or even someone that we love, it changes us, changes the way we speak, the way we talk, and even our routine. And if you want to know what is most important to you, then ask the people around you what it is that you talk about the most. See, I've always known this, but I've become increasingly aware lately that I start so many sentences with the phrase, Belinda and I were talking about 
this or fill in the blank or Belinda and I were doing this or that. And see, Belinda is my wife. I've got a few pictures of her and, and I to throw up on the screen. I think she's beautiful. We've been married for uh, over 18 years and our love language is coffee and ice cream. And so um, when you can even combine those two things, it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And so I start so many conversations with something about me and Belinda, because I love her so much, I talk about her because I want everyone to know that there is something about her I can't get over. And every day I wake up, I am still amazed that she loves me. And some of you men in here who are married, you know what I'm talking about. You wake up every day just kind of overwhelmed with that love. And one of the amazing things I love about Belinda is that she loves to serve other people. And she leads an event we have coming up in just a few weeks called Crammer's Corner. How many college students are in here? All right. How many of you are excited about final exams? Some of you maybe is one step closer to graduation. So Kramer's Corner is an event April 24th through the 25th. Our campus here at Public Church will be open from 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. both nights. And so you can make this place a study hall for you. You can um, just spread out. There'll be Wi-Fi. We'll feed you dinner both nights at 9 p.m. There'll be plenty of snacks. And, of course, there will be plenty of coffee. And so we invite you to come those two nights and just make yourself at home here on our campus, and we ask nothing of you in return. And so I love to see just the joy and excitement that Belinda gets from planning this, because she loves to serve others. She loves to serve college students. In fact, she spent the last 11 years serving college students as, uh, professionally as she works at one of our local universities. And it's even more special for us this year because just this past week, she and I began, um, they, we stepped into our college age community group to lead them. And so we're excited about this next season of getting to spend more time with students and grow with them. And we've already learned that they are an awesome group of students. And so this is one of the things that I love about Belinda. And I'm, I'm constantly talking about her. I'm constantly, in a good way. I need to say that. I'm constantly talking about her in a very good way because I want everyone to know how much I love her and how wonderful she is. And in fact, there was one time I wanted to just, just to share my love for her in front of a large group of people. And so I was a student pastor, and we were at a summer camp uh, one year and had this idea of like, hey, I should propose to you in front of the entire group. And I mean, we've been married for about 10 years at this point, and uh, we got some students in on this joke, and, um, and so we were on this college campus, we're in a cafeteria, there was probably at least 300 people, and there were these tall glass windows looking out into a balcony area, and I was like, I say, we're going to go outside and talk, and then I'm going to go down on one knee, and you all get everybody involved and, and cheer us on and everything. And so we did. Uh, I went down on one knee. Belinda acted surprised, and, you know, she hugged me, and we went back in. People were cheering. People were giving us high fives. People were hugging us. We didn't know who these people were. Nobody had any, like, they did not notice that we both were wearing wedding bands already. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was hilarious. <laughs> so we went on from there, and then the next day, our students come back from their ministry sites, and they're like, everybody was talking about this proposal. Everybody was just talking about it and asking questions and thought it was just so cool and so neat, and I was like, did you tell them that this wasn't real? And they're like, no, we let them believe it was true, and we're like, what have I created here? <laughs> um, 
And so that night, we were having dinner, and <laughs> we're sitting there. And this, this 14-year-old girl comes up and sits across from us, and she's just so excited. She's like, oh, I've got to see the engagement ring. And so Belinda shows her, her engagement ring and her wedding band, nothing. Um, and she starts asking one question after the other, and she doesn't even give us a chance to respond. It's like, so how did you meet? Did you meet each other at camp? You know, how long have you been dating? When are you getting married? And I, I just had to stop her. I said, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the truth. We've been married for about 10 years at this point. And what I saw in this moment was this look of wonder and amazement, and instantly it turned to disappointment. <laughs> I broke her heart. <laughs> and she gets up, and she turns around and walks away. And I laughed about it in this moment, and I've laughed, I'm laughing about it still. Let's be honest, it's funny. But that moment is just like how some of you are living in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you are here today and you've had this idea of what following Jesus would look like. And when you faced reality, you were disappointed. Now follow along with me and what I'm getting at because some of you here today, you are not Jesus followers or you're not sure if you even want to be a Jesus follower because you were sold a lie of misunderstood scripture, misinterpreted scripture. And the lie is this, if you go to church, you join a community group, you pray a prayer, you give financially, you join a team, you do a lot of good things, then God will write your story the way that you think it should. And because that is not true and because that's not what has happened for you, you're here disappointed today. But you find yourself sitting in an 11 o'clock gathering on a Sunday because there's something about this love of Jesus that you just can't shake. And if that's you today, and you're, you've been disappointed, then first of all, we want to apologize on behalf of Jesus followers that we've maybe made it difficult for you to follow Jesus. But secondly, I want you to know that I'm excited. And to steal a phrase from Todd, it fires me up that you're here. It fires me up that you're here because you need to know that you are not alone, and in fact, I was you just three years ago. See, as some of you know our story, after a period of time as serving as student pastor, Belinda and I knew it was time for us to step out and take a break from ministry, and unsure of what was next. And, and about a week later, we were talking in a coffee shop, imagine that, and we were having discussion and just talking about the future and talking about our fears, and, and we realized in that moment that our fears were really opposite of each other. See, my fears were, I was thinking about, you know, what are our finances going to look like, and, you know, now am I going to have a resume gap, and what am I going to do next, and, and stuff like that. And Belinda's fears, on the other hand, were, are we ever going to get connected to a group of Jesus followers? Are we ever going to get connected in community and grow with other Jesus followers? And in that moment, I, I was just honest. I was honest with Belinda, and I said, look, I tried to do all the right things, and in so many ways, I'm disappointed. And I said, Belinda, I honestly don't care if I ever step foot in a church again. But thankfully, that's not where my heart stayed. Thankfully, I could not escape the love of God who was drawing me in. I couldn't escape the fact that he was drawing me to grow in a community with Jesus followers. See, here's one thing that I was ignoring in that season. I was ignoring, ignoring this idea of trust. See, we all know that trust is important in a relationship. It's actually a necessity 
But when it comes to our relationship with God, often we ignore trust because we like control over surrender. I'm not going to stand up here today and say, if that's you, or if you're in a difficult season, just to say, trust Jesus, just have faith. I'm not going to say that because probably a lot of you have been in those, those church services. You've been in those talks where you were just told, just have faith, just trust, and that's all you were told, and so you're left disappointed. So today, let's look at what it actually means to trust God. And so we're going to look at a set of verses, and one verse that's often misunderstood and misunderstanding often leads to disappointment. So you can open up your Bibles. Uh, you can follow along in your Bible app. We're going to be in John chapter 15, and it'll be on the screen here in just a moment. And I want to give you a little background on this. So it was written by a Jesus follower named John. John was one of the 12 disciples, and John was so overwhelmed with the love of Jesus, that he would refer to himself as the beloved or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it wasn't that he was the favorite because Jesus did not have a favorite, but he was so overwhelmed that Jesus loved him. He wanted to share that with everyone he encountered. And so this moment that we're reading in scripture is some of the final moments that Jesus has with his disciples before he was arrested and put to death on the cross. And so I want us to think about this, because if you knew you were about to die, what would be some of the final words you would want to share with those people you're closest with? And so let's look through these verses with that lens today. So we're going to be in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So... Here we have it. We get to ask whatever we wish, and it will be done for us. Some of you are like, yes, that's what I've been wanting to hear. That's what I've been waiting for. You've already got your wish list that you could just you know, share. It would be really, really long. Maybe it's like a long Christmas list. Some of you know that like my wish list is that I'm teetering on the edge of a letter grade, but if I could just go up a little bit higher, then I would be happy. Some of you are here with that today. That's on your wish list. Maybe some of you are here like, if the guy or the girl I'm sitting next to would just notice me, then it would make me happy. Some of you have this wish list that you're like, if I could have just a little bit more money or a better job, or maybe it's just some tangible things, for me, it would be a set of AirPods. Anybody with me? I would love a set of AirPods. And I think that, oh, if I asked for that, maybe it would happen. It would come to me, and it would make me happy. See, we all have these things that we would love to have and that we would love for Jesus to give us. And to some of you, if you're honest today, that may be the reason that you're here, is that maybe you're treating your relationship or your lack of a relationship with Jesus, you're treating him as your personal genie. And it's not a relationship. So we need to understand what Jesus is talking about. What is the context of this? We see this word abide. I don't know about you, it's not... The word abide is not one that I use probably every day. So what does it mean? The word abide is used twice in this, in this verse alone and 11 times in this chapter. And the word abide means to remain. It means to wait for, to dwell in. Maybe your translation says to remain. In other words, it means to make yourself at home. And do you make yourself at home somewhere you don't trust? Maybe you do. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't trust my roommate. 
Maybe some of you, yeah, some of you know, some of you need a new roommate today. Um, maybe that's what you're praying for. <laughs> and when we were um, when we were looking to move to this area over uh, two years ago, uh, we were seeking some wise counsel from a, a good friend, and he asked us, "Do you trust the place? Is it safe? Do you feel secure?" And you know, the thing is, when I go to bed at night, I don't I don't lay in bed in fear of, "Well, is the ceiling going to collapse on me?" Or are the walls going to fall in, you know, or the locks on the doors going to keep intruders out? I don't worry about these things. I know that there is a possibility that all these things can go wrong, but I trust that it will be okay. See, the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I making myself at home with Jesus? Am I trusting him? See, trust is becoming aware of his continual presence. Trust is becoming aware of his continual presence. And when we become aware of his presence, we realize that we are not the ones in control. I can think back to the first time I flew on a plane. Does anybody in here like to fly? Okay, I'm just gonna tell you, I can't see any hands. So uh, you just raise your hands for no reason. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Here's the thing. The first time I flew, I was terrified because I am scared of heights. Now, does anybody want to admit they're scared of heights? I can see you now. Some of you may not. So, I am terrified of heights. Not so much of the fall, but more of the abrupt stop at the end. And I'm, I was so scared. I was so scared of flying. I'll never forget the very first time we were flying somewhere and we were, you know, taxiing out to the runway. And they're going over instructions about, you know, how to buckle your seatbelt. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty good at that. I've done it my whole life. You know, so I was okay with that. But then they're like, take out this, this brochure and we're going to go over the safety precautions. And I look around and nobody's doing this. And I have the, the brochure out and I'm following along. You know? And I'm like, wait, I mean, this person over here, they're playing a game on their iPad. And this person over here is listening to music and somebody's reading a book. Somebody's doing a crossword puzzle. There's always somebody doing a crossword puzzle on a plane. And in that moment, I'm like, you all are not paying attention to the instructions. And in the unlikely event of a water landing, I'm the only one who's going to know how to use my seat as a flotation device. And not only am I going to have to save myself, I'm going to have to save everybody on this plane. Now, admit it, some of you right now are analyzing my Enneagram number. <laughs> some of you know right there what I'm getting at. So in this moment, I was so scared of flying, but over time... I had to become aware there was somebody else's presence on that plane that was the pilot. And I am not in control of that flight. Thankfully, he is trained and can can guide the plane. And it doesn't mean there's not a chance of things going wrong. But I have to trust that the pilot's presence will be enough. I have to trust the same way that God's presence is enough. I have to become aware of his continual presence in my life. He goes on in this verse and says, and my words abide in you. See, his words, the Bible, we have to make at home within us. See, often we don't trust the words of Jesus because we don't know them too well. But when we understand that abiding in Jesus and making ourselves at home with him and making his words at home within our heart, and we become aware of his continual presence, see, what happens is that our hearts become aligned with his. 
We start to want the things that he wants. We start to desire the things that, we, that he wants. And in that moment, we start to pray for the things that he would want. And even if things don't turn out the way that we would hope they would, we still get a relationship and love from Jesus and is something that we do not deserve. He goes on in verse 8 and says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So what is he talking about here? He's saying that when we abide in him, when we trust in him, we become more like him. If you spend time with somebody, you become more like them. Thankfully, over these last 18 years, I have become more like my wife because she is way better than me. If you spend any time with us, you're like, yeah, she's a lot better than you. So I become more like her. And when we spend time with Jesus, we become more like him. We begin to love others the way that he loves us. And the thing is that love should be the distinguishing mark of Jesus' followers. And when we love others as Jesus does, it is an act of worship. It brings him praise. It goes on in verse 9 and says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what is he talking about here? See, he's saying that trust is becoming aware of his unaffected love. See, Todd talked about this a couple weeks ago. What is unaffected love? It's this unconditional love that no matter what we do to him, he loves us back. And trust is becoming aware of this unaffected love. It doesn't mean that we love him to earn his love and friendship back, but that we respond to him by obeying him because we become aware that his love is so unconditional. And let's be honest, it is hard to grasp this unaffected love. It is hard for us to understand it because we have an idea of what this love should look like. Maybe for some of you here today, you wish that God's love for you would be transactional. And this is what I mean by that. Some of you wish that God would keep a record of everything that you do right and reward you for it. But man, you really hope he forgets everything that you do wrong. And in fact, it'd be nice if he'd keep a record of everybody else's wrongs. And we could sit back and watch that. Some of you here today cannot grasp that his love for you is unconditional because you're a rule follower. Maybe you're here and you like to work to earn things. And you even think that you have to work to earn God's love. And maybe you were even taught that at some point. It's possible that some of you struggle with God's unaffected love because people have let you down, especially Jesus followers. And when you've lost trust in people, you often wrongfully misplace that trust back on God. And just as a side note, Jesus followers, we should be the most dependable people there are. It doesn't mean that we're not going to fail. It doesn't mean that we're not going to let people down. It certainly doesn't mean that we let people just like walk all over us, but we should be the most dependable people there are. But see, when we're let down, if we're careful, when we lose trust, we place that mistrust on God and we say, God, if I can't trust your people, how can I even trust that your love is real? 
And maybe today you're struggling to understand God's unaffected love because you just think you're unlovable. Maybe you're here today and you think there's no way that God could love me. And maybe you think that God is disappointed in you because of your sin. See, as a, as a student pastor, I, I would uh, give a talk every week at our student gatherings. And I would, not every week, but I tried constantly to tell our students, hey, I want you to know how much I love you. And if you don't believe that I or anybody else in this world loves you, then know that there's an unconditional love that Jesus loves you with. And I would say that, try to say that most every week. And then most weeks I would walk off stage and say, you know what, that's true for them. But I'm not so sure it's true for me. I struggled to understand that his love for me is unconditional and unaffected. But see, I've started to see the difference in that now. And so I know that this unaffected love is real both for you and for myself. And we see this beginning in verse 12 where Jesus says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He wouldn't tell us to love one another if he didn't already love us greatly. And here's how he showed us his love in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. See, God's love is not rooted in a feeling. You may start to experience an emotion, but God's love is not rooted in a feeling. It's rooted in a reality, and that reality is the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the cross that he suffered and died for us on. It doesn't mean that we have to do things to earn that love and friendship, but that when we experience this unshakable love, that our only response is to follow him. Our only response is to obey him. Not that we'll get it perfect, but that we strive to fall after him. And I don't know about you, but nobody else has ever died for me. Nobody else has ever loved me enough to die for me. And not only did he just die, he died taking on all of our sin, all of my sin, all of your sin, all of humanity's sin. And he took on that sin and died a terrible death in our place. And then three days later, he rose again so that we could trust that he is God. And so that we, if we surrender to him, we can have a relationship with him. That is unaffected, unconditional love. So how do we trust it? How do we trust him? How do we trust him when our family situation seems hopeless? How do we trust him when our child keeps living in rebellion and we don't see any hope? How do we trust him when it seems like our marriage is going in a wrong direction? How do we trust him when we, gra we know we're graduating in a few weeks, but there's no job lined up? How do we trust him when the doctor report comes back and it's, it's not good? How do we trust him with the things that we don't understand? And here's how we begin to trust him is that we trust him with our future by celebrating his faithfulness in our past. We begin to trust him with our future by celebrating his faithfulness in our past. And it does not mean that we look back and say, well, everything worked out just the way I would hoped because that's not reality. But we look back and we see all the ways that we are able to pinpoint that he was working. But at the same time, we trust that God is working behind the scenes. And when we even don't see it, we trust that he is still doing his best work. See, that's, that's exactly 
really the season that I'm living in right now. It's a season that Blend and I are in. Um, coming into this for the last few weeks, I really didn't want to talk about trust. I really wanted to talk about something else. I was hoping that, oh, maybe I can talk about empathy. Or maybe I can talk about, you know, encouraging people with words instead of tearing them down. And not that I'm, I'm by far not perfect in those areas, but those are easier to me than trust. I thought, oh, I would just love to talk about something other than trust. We've been praying some what we call measurably more prayers in our lives and asking God to move. And the thing is, this week we were faced with one of those moments where we had to trust him. And it did not completely turn out the way we had hoped. But we were able to look at it and say, God, you are still faithful. We were able to see the ways that you're faithful. And even when we can't see it all, we know that you're at work behind the scenes. And we're trusting him in the process. So the underlying questions we have to ask ourselves, the underlying questions that Jesus is asking in these verses are this, do you trust me? And do you trust my love? Maybe you're here today and you're filled with doubt. You have fears and it's okay because Jesus welcomes your doubts. He welcomes your fears. He's not reject, he will not reject you. He's not afraid of that. And in fact, there's a moment in scripture where a man comes to Jesus. His son had been ill and he comes to him and says, Jesus, will you heal him if you can do anything, if there's something that you can do? And in that moment, Jesus calls him to trust. And here's the man's response in Mark 9, verse 24. He says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe you're here today and you're still filled with doubts. And that's okay. Maybe today you would just cry out and say, Jesus, I want to believe. Would you help my unbelief? Maybe today you would take a step of saying, God, I know that you're at work and I can't see all the ways that you're working, but I trust that you are because your love is a love I can't shake and your love is trust. We're gonna sing a couple more songs. And this week as I was spending time with Cody um, talking about today and he shared with me the song that we're about to sing, I just internally went, oh, I don't like to sing this song. Uh, and then that night I was talking with Belinda and uh, she was, oh, what are we singing this week? And I showed her and she went, oh, I don't like to sing this song. <laughs> it's not because we dislike the song. It's, it's a beautiful song, the melody. It's not that we, um, <laughs> we disagree with the lyrics because I know how much time and effort and prayer Cody pours over the songs that we sing. It's because that these lyrics are difficult for me to sing because these lyrics call us to surrender and to trust Jesus. These lyrics are going to be on the screen. We're about to sing this. It says, if more of you means less of me, take everything. Yes, all of you is all I need. Take everything. These words are difficult. They're hard to sing. But you know what? At the same time, they are so freeing. Maybe today, your step of obedience would just be like, I don't know that I believe these words, but I'm going to sing and I'm going to trust you, Lord. And knowing that confession precedes belief. Maybe today, your step of obedience would be to step out 
and talk with someone and pray with someone with our prayer team. There's gonna be somebody at the exit sign in the back and they would love to spend some time with you. Maybe you would go to them today and say, I don't even know if I'm ready to fully surrender to Jesus, but today I would just love to talk about my doubts and fears. And maybe today somebody could just pray with me and pray that you know, Lord would show me how to believe and how to trust. Maybe you're here today and you, you feel like you've been doing all the right things and things just still are not turning out the way you want. That's okay. Because maybe today Jesus is calling for you just to give him your entire heart. Maybe he's calling you just to give him your everything, calling you just to, to surrender to him and say, Lord, I can't see beyond tomorrow, but I trust that you are at work. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that we can trust your love even when we cannot see all the ways that you're working. God, I pray for those today who are, who are filled with doubts and fears. Lord, I'm so thankful that they're here. I'm so thankful that they're willing to give you a chance. And I pray that today you'd give them the courage just to step out and to talk to someone, to pray with somebody from a prayer team or somebody that they're sitting next to. But God, that we would not leave here unchanged, that we would allow your unaffected love to transform us, that we would trust in that and, and trust in your continual presence. Lord, I thank you that you love us the way that you do, and it's a love that we can't earn or deserve. In Jesus' name I pray.